Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I am Rich Trapier. And this is episode 34 of History on the Table. Hello, Rich. How are you? I'm good. 2022, we made it. We made it. And now the pandemic is over and we don't have to worry about that anymore, right? That's what we said. Right? Right? Last episode, we said it was the last time we'd ever have to go. Well, you know, all things considered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then Omicron hit. But that's going away, too. You You know what else hit? The MMP 2022 production outlook. Yeah, they t- basically just backed up a dump truck and dropped a news on us. <laughs> I love it. They do it. They seem to have done that the last few years. <laughs> and there's so much information to parse. And we'll do that. Uh, but we're going to save that for the end of the show. We'll go over the GMT monthly update and a couple other things to talk about. We have a website. I think we talked about it last time, but now it's like in full swing. So. Yeah. Yeah. You just dropped another update, what, today, yesterday? 10 more games? Yeah, so this month, and or I guess, excuse me, in February, we will do the kind of like featured topic will be my top 10 games of all time. It's been nice. a couple of years since we've done that. And so I've been counting down to that. And so I wanted to get to games 91 through 51 have been revealed. So it'll be a countdown from top 50 through February. And then February's episode will be my top 10 games of all time. Yeah. It's interesting to see, I mean, obviously we talk about the war games every month, but seeing where the other stuff is, I wouldn't even say it's sprinkled in, because at this point it's more the war games are sprinkled in, but I'll see a game and I'm like, oh yeah, that's uh, 72 for him. I wonder what it would be for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm having the same reaction to like see, you know, when we do that every war game ever list, it's, it's all war games, mm-hmm. obviously. And so it's nice to get that perspective of like, I, I was a Euro gamer and Ameri- Ameritrash gamer first before war gaming and like going back and looking back on these favorites of mine it's nice to compare them against something like i don't know normandy 44 or something which just got listed today mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna write something for that soon too maybe maybe i'll get that done this weekend yeah and then uh so that ties into we have guest top fives um we've had a few done already judd vance who's active on bgg and actually responsible for a lot of the war games that i play to this day and Jason Young from Advance After Combat, top commands and colors games, and uh, Jason top did top solo, solo. yeah, yeah. Mitch Mitch Land did a guest every war game ever. That was pretty cool. There's lots of neat stuff, and I've got a few articles in the works. And we've talked a little bit about doing like an AAR with our Hat and Flames game, but we'll we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. Yeah, uh, probably once we finish the first campaign day, do a write up, and then. You know, we'll go into the second campaign day because we've been idea. getting I mean, I think once we get into the swing of things, we'll we'll probably be able to do a turn, a session, which we're meeting every other week. So, yes, that'd probably be a good good thing to shoot for. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Before we talk about any more games, uh, we have a big announcement. It's back. Next War Con 3. Returning to Historic Fest. Bigger than ever. Well, I don't know about bigger than ever. Last It was pretty big last time. <laughs> More than ever yeah. in the sense that... <laughs> three um, is bigger than two. Three is bigger than two, and we're going to... Instead of one big giant game, which was, I'm sure, an amazing experience, we're just going to like open... You have more opportunities to play and more opportunities to com- uh, contribute to the overall war effort. It's kind of what we're going for this year. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and as the guy that ran the one big, huge game, I do think, although it was fun, once-in-a-lifetime experience, I think it will it will be more fun for more people to to just 
play Next War. Yep. And then good news for people wanting to learn Next War, we kind of broke off the learn to play as like a, one of the maps there. And this year it's going to be a dedicated time slot with Mitch of one structured learn to play session instead of probably throwing too much at yeah. the learn to play. So it'll be good. It'll be a fun little like keep track of how each side's doing. And if you want to see me there, cross the cross your fingers because I, I had a job interview this week that uh, will hopefully allow me to attend. So I should know. By the next time we record, I'll know. I'll know. Great. Well, I am certainly hoping you're there, and I'm hoping you, the listeners, are there. It's going to be August 19th through the 21st, 2022, still in Overland Park, Kansas, new venue. I'm also thinking about um, using like an online event manager to kind of coordinate the event sign-up instead of a spreadsheet. Yeah, that'd be good. And I've kind of eased off like I'm, I am optimistic where things will be at this summer, but I've kind of eased off a little bit just to kind of get a feel of what omicron's going to do in the immediate future cool i feel weird i feel weird asking like uh i've been talking i was talking to local game store before omicron hit and then uh they're like all right let's let's follow up uh after after the holidays and said that sounds like a great idea and then of course after the holidays is omicron and i was in there buying some stuff and i said hey i haven't forgotten about you (laughs) it's just like it doesn't seem appropriate (laughs) so but I am really looking forward to it. We got uh, some neat stuff in store. Okay, let's do our thing, huh? Yeah, this is where we talk about money we spent. Yes, and you know what? We didn't really do this in December. Right, I so felt really, a little guilty because like my again. list was too long, and then I thought, well, <laughs> it is two months worth, so. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. I have a question about this first one, but... Sure, the first one. Uh, if I had gotten earlier, you might have, might might have made my magazine game because te- it's technically a magazine game. It's from here. I'm looking at the magazine, World at War magazine, but it's Hanout, France, 1940. So what this is, it's a it's basically an intro to the Goss system, um, which I've already got all the Goss games. But what I really like about this, even though I haven't played it yet, is it's Goss that can fit on like a single tabletop, and you know you get you get that depth of the game. I think it's Goss Light. It's it's got a slightly smaller rule book, but it's 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 Goss and and smaller. So now, when you say it's Goss, yeah, is this legitimately Goss or is this like, oh, this is essentially the same thing as Goss? When you say it's Goss Light, I mean, I would say it it is legitimately Goss, but but slimmed down. So it's I mean, it's the same rule set, the same publisher, okay. the same system. That's yeah. same same designer, same publisher, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Because that was when you wrote Goss Light, I was curious because I had never heard yeah. that before. That's cool. How about you? On last month's episode, we had Fred Serval, who did his you know, favorite games from 2021. Uh, and one of those I'll talk about a little bit, but I also got Fred's new game, which I'm very excited for, Red Flags Over Paris. I've seen pictures of that, but I don't really know much about it. Okay, so this is part of the, what do they call it, the lunchtime games from gmt like they play pretty quick yeah so right fort sumter was the first one Uh uh-huh yeah which i wasn't a fan of hopefully this one's better (laughs) i haven't played fort sumter i just i think the topic is interesting you know the paris commune also i think the appeal here is like it plays really fast Mm -hmm. uh so it's short car driven game uh covering the paris commune by fred serval and it just it looks really neat and interesting Uh, i'm excited to see what it has to offer 
Nice. Uh, next one for me, honestly, will probably stay in shrink for a while, but I'm still glad I have it. I got Hollow Legions, which is an ASL module. Uh, it's got what's what all's in there? It's got like the North Africa stuff and like Ethiopia, Ethiopia, right? Ethiopia, yeah. It's got Italy in there, so yeah. I obviously didn't have it before. Something I, I've wanted to play, um, and I probably will play some of this stuff, but probably online for now actually tomorrow i had a face-to-face asl game scheduled and the guy just messaged me just a little bit ago and said he wasn't feeling well so face-to-face is coming back but it's coming back slowly my copies at the asl club i grabbed it through them because it's easier done it's paid shipping whatever so i need to go get that cool uh so i mentioned fred mentioned a game i mentioned fred mentioned uh 300 Earth and Water. It's designed by, and I'm going to butcher this, Yasushi Nakaguru. I think it was originally designed by Bonsai Games, and I don't know who does it now. Nuts does it now. That's the copy I got. So just high praise from it is driving this. Other than that, I have no knowledge of other than maybe seeing a little bit of it when it came out in like 2019 or something like that. So is this Greeks versus Persians? It is, okay. and it's it's another real quick. I think it's fast playing, simple but fun war game. So I'm gonna give it a go. Fred really spoke highly of it, so interest peaked. Cool. Uh, there was a poll a couple weeks ago. I think it was on Discord. It was probably right around the beginning of the year, where you know what is this going to be the year of, and you know a year of <laughs> civil war gaming or whatever. So I selected uh, naval war, air and naval or. I can't remember if it was Air Naval or Naval, but Naval was gaming for me. Just Naval. That's what I selected. And my next couple picks reflect that that is my sort of focus for this year. So one game that I picked up is Oak and Iron, uh, which mm. is, um, it's funny. I, I think I might even mentioned this before, but my, my 12-year-old daughter been looking for something we can play together. And we used to play X-Wing together. And uh, we, we gave our X-Wing stuff away, but... I told her, I was like, here's a game that it's historical, it's naval warships, but it's kind of got that X-Wing feel. So we're going to be playing that one together. Nice. Yeah, yeah. If you guys remember, that's the game that Sebastian Bay said was his game of the year. And as soon as he talked about it, I grabbed yeah. a copy of that as well. <laughs> yep. Uh, nice. So, Rick, or Rich, do you remember a couple months ago we talked about the Compass Games holiday advertisement, like I, the poster? I ad. do remember. Do you still have it folded and uh, unfolded and taped up on your wall? You, you, <laughs> right, right. I'm crossing off the games as I collect them and everything. We talked about a game that caught my eye called Napoleon's Eagles, designed mm-hmm. by Christopher Moeller. And I was like, well, that, yeah, I think number two is coming out. Like, well, that's not someone I heard about. I wonder what that is. And our friend Rex reached out to me afterwards and said, that's actually a really solid card game. I don't. I think it's not card-driven, like full-fledged card game. Your cards are your troops. I think you deploy them to, like, hmm. front line and Kind of like that old, uh, that old game where you had ships on cards. I don't remember what it was called. It was just called something like Naval Battles or something like that, but... I guess so, um, but I'm going completely off his word here, and then... So, sounds like a good game. It got mentioned on the Advance After Combat podcast briefly when they were doing the recap for the con. Uh, And so, in that box of Red Flag Over Paris and 300, you know, I don't want to pay $5.99 for shipping, so I might as well just, (laughs) like, spring for a $40 board game and kick it over. (laughs) Right. So, Napoleon's Eagle Storm in the East is what I grabbed. There's a second one coming out soon uh, from Compass Games. It's a card game. Um... This is Bordino in Leipzig. 
is cool. what this one is. Haven't played it yet. Don't know when I'll get a chance to, but uh, a couple of people saying it's good. I'm willing to give it a try. Nice. Uh, my last one is another naval game, and this one's actually a gift from my co-host. It was Captain's Sea, which yeah. I'm looking forward to playing. I punched it out, and I actually I read the rules and got the counters out, and we were going to play it, and something else came up. But, yeah, that's going to happen real soon. Did you sticker your blocks, too? I did, yeah. Yeah, see, then I saw someone someone on Twitter painted their blocks. Oh, And nice. I'm just like, oh, son of a gun. I wish I'd <laughs> like, and not even, you know, just like because they're – you know, pine-colored blocks, and yeah. then all they did was just throw blue, red, and white paint on them. Okay. I was like, damn it, I should have done that. <laughs> yeah, that game looks super interesting, and maybe we'll have a chance to talk about it next month. We'll talk about that later. But Yeah, yeah, it's on the list. So the the results of that poll you mentioned, mm-hmm. the options were Finnish Wargaming, BCS, and this was 2022 will be the year of Finnish Wargaming, BCS, Hungarian Wargaming, which did not <laughs> perform well, and then Naval Wargaming. Naval Wargaming got 47.6% of the votes. Uh, BCS got 29.3% of the votes. And Finnish got 195 Uh So it'll be the year of Finnish Naval Wargaming. <laughs> the only acceptable answer. Nice. Uh, well, I think we got plenty of games to keep us busy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Don't have to buy anything, which leads to the question of why are we buying things but we will <sighs> yeah thank you mmp <laughs> i mean yep. gmt basically took half my paycheck this month so <laughs> oh my gosh the doomsday i'm glad we're both here and <laughs> our wives didn't you know ring us out after that charge <laughs> i did i and all, most of the time like you know i mean I, I do our budget so my wife doesn't really care she knows she trusts me so most of the time i don't even mention it to her but i did mention to her like end of december i'm like I need you to know that I'm buying a lot of games next month, and here's why. There's a storm brewing. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about how we're, like, topped up and full. Yeah. And our featured topic this month is most anticipated yeah. games of 2022. <laughs> Just keep it going. And with all that free time, we also managed to cram in some books. Yeah, got to read. How about you? Yeah, I've got a I've got a couple. So one of them ties into our featured game, which is Nevsky. And this book was one I discovered on my own. And then after finding it and not really finding much else, I went to the designer of Nevsky, Volker Runke's recommended readings. And this was yeah. right at the top of the list. It's The Northern Crusades by Eric Christensen. Yeah, he's got a good bibliography in there, but they're not not easy books to find. So. No, and this is probably the most available. It's one. It's an English translation. It's also been updated with more, uh, based off more recent like discoveries, because there's not a lot of there's primary resources out there. Mm-hmm. But one, it's not in English, and two, I just don't think this is as well as covered topic as. And this is exactly what the author said, what Eric Christensen says, as the Crusades. Yeah. Um, this book isn't exclusive to Nevsky or the topic covered by Nevsky. It's a more general overview of the Northern Crusades, which you, if you pull up the Northern Crusades on Wikipedia, it gives you this timeline spanning from 1100s through 14, early 1400s. Mm-hmm. And if you go there, the, the Livonian campaign, which is Nevsky, is like one twenty fifth of that whole timeline. And so this is a broad overview, 
but it's a broad overview I like because it's also covering like the Swedish Finnish wars and the, and the Finnish um, crusades and all that type of stuff. It's good. It's actually not as I was worried it was going to be pretty dry and boring, but I'm finding it um, finding it. I enjoy it. I like it. It's good. That's good. Yeah, because I was yeah. You know, I'll have to check that one out because I have been looking for something to uh, to fill me in on the gaps with Nevsky. Yeah, and well, I you just can't you just can't trust Alexander Nevsky the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, funny because I I haven't seen it. Although I think it's available on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. our buddy Caleb was telling it was in the Criterion Collection at yeah. one point. So yeah, the only reason I even knew about that movie is because it's it's like a, a plot point in the book Red Storm Rising. <laughs> It's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like U.S. intelligence is like, why are they showing Nevsky on Soviet state television? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. For those that don't know, Nevsky is like a giant propaganda piece because <laughs> the like Nevsky is this whole Nevsky. The game covers the whole campaign from 1240 to 1242. At 1242, there's the Battle of the Ice, which is this you right. know, famous Russian battle where Alexander, what's his something Nevsky comes back to Novgorod comes back to Novgorod and then the battle of ice happens it's a Russian victory and it's just a giant propaganda piece mm-hmm. what about you read anything um yeah so right now I'm listening to master and commander which is I've actually got it in wow. paper I picked it up at half price books a while ago and I started it and I don't even know why I didn't finish it but then I I got it on audible and I'm listening to it now I've seen the movie before um and the movie is is entertaining um but the book I actually like better cuz it you know it's interesting the way he does things he he kind of teaches you a little bit about what 1800s naval battles were like by you know there's this this doctor who's also in the movie but they'll explain things to him in the book and really they're explaining it to the reader but it's pretty good it's interesting now is that this may be a dumb question but is master and commander a fiction it is it's historical fiction yeah sure yeah and there's a whole series of books i I don't know that i'm going to read continue reading them but i'm enjoying this one so nice so if, if Northern Crusades is good, then the War of the Roses is like fantastic. Yeah, that's I've been uh, I think I mentioned it last year. I read Plantagenets and I was actually just talking to my wife about it. And now I think we're going to listen to that together. But then I'm definitely going to go on to War of the Roses and Templars. And you don't have to what I've gathered. You don't have to read Plantagenets. You can read War of the Roses because I plan on like I have War of the Roses sometime last year. It was on sale on Audible, mm-hmm. and a few people, I think you included, on our Discord talks about how good Dan Jones was. He is. He's great. And part of the reason I want to read it is because well, I want to reread Plantagenets, but it has to do with Nevsky and the next game in the series and all that. So it's. Like, you guys have not disappointed with the recommendation for Dan Jones. Yeah, he's good. It's just so readable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think, like, War of the Roses and you just think English history from, you know, 1500 or 1400s, I'm just bracing myself for it to be boring. And that's yeah. not proving to be the case at all. It's very yeah. good. Excellent. Well, that's, I'm gonna, I'll probably read that one later this year. Yeah. And I'm crossing off one of my, uh, one of my, uh, resolutions for the new year, which was not only to read 52 books, but specifically to read some Dan Jones okay. as one of the authors I wanted to read this year. Cool. Uh, the other one I've mentioned it before. I'm just, I'm reading it slowly. Cause this is like my, 
big paper book that I put next to the bed. So I don't read that much because usually I'm tired at the end of the day and it puts me to sleep. But the book is great. It's not the book's fault that I'm going to sleep, but I'm still reading Island Infernos by John McManus, who's just a great author. And it's it's about the role of the U.S. Army in the Pacific War, which, you know, the U.S. Army did most of the heavy lifting. We think of the Marines, but the U.S. Army did more naval invasions, more fighting than the Marines did. It's a it's a great book. Nice. Yeah. Good, good, good. Sorry, naval infantry. I don't know if I'm allowed to say Marines. Yeah. (laughs) Lowercase. It's a soft Marines. All right. Some games we have actually been playing together, which actually isn't something we do all that often. Not enough, yeah. Not enough. Hat and Flames, we already mentioned it. Um, Mm -hmm. So... We've talked about these, because Rich had started a game of Hat and Flames before, but this is a historical ASL module, which I was completely new to and was just blown away because you get a shopping list at the start of the first game Yeah, just go buy cool shit. And that can be buy tank destroyers. It can be buy a heavy weapons detachment. It can be buy like hidden emplacements in, in, in yep. or off-board, off-board artillery. artillery. Yeah, all the good so stuff. So cool. Yeah, which makes it fun because you can you can kind of suit it to your play style. I mean, if you're if you're the kind of guy that wants to drive tanks in, buy a bunch of tanks. If you're the guy that wants to blast some guy with artillery, buy artillery. Now you had a link. Is it just hattonandflames.com? I think that's right. It might be like Hatton and Flames forty five or something like that. Yeah. For for if people wanted to, because this is Operation Nordwind, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Um, if you want to learn more about Hatton and Flames, this is post Battle of the Bulge and what's going on in our scenario. Uh, the the U.S. forces are basically holding a town, and there's I don't know seven, eight, ten hexes, something like that. That each side needs to dominate, which is basically control the surrounding key hexes, like building hexes, things like that. And Rich is driving in from one side of the map. My reinforcements are coming in from the other. And there's tons of building and snow to deal with. It's cool. Yeah. It's fun. Hatton1945.com. Nice. For historical basis. Yeah. And then, obviously, we're only we're only a turn into the first day. But the other thing about historical ASL is you play basically several scenarios in a row. And every one affects the next one. So after the first day, we'll, we will mark where the front is. We'll be able to redeploy some guys along the front. And then we'll each get to buy some new things, which will actually remain secret until they come on the map. So you don't quite know what the next guy's bringing. He might be bringing more tanks. He might just go open up with artillery. So... Um, it's, it's great. And then we'll play, um, the full campaign is, uh, I don't remember what it is in Hatton, but it's probably like four or five days. So yeah, when it, I think it's four days, there's two campaign games you can play out of Hatton and flames. Yeah. Um, and then, well, I, I didn't know this and I asked you is like, what about these scenario cards? Like if you buy Hatton and flames, you can just play yep. Hatton based scenarios. Yep. Absolutely. Or, or you can do the full campaign. Yep. And it's not the, the regular geomorphic map, like regular asl is it's an actual historic map of that area now we had a guest stop by it was mitch and (laughs) mitch was not a fan of the hatton and flames map i actually really (laughs) like it i like it too i don't know what his problem is it's probably because it's not an asl map (laughs) an ats map you mean that's yeah yeah, that's exactly what i meant (laughs) i gotta tell you i'm having a blast rich like the last two times we played so we're doing every other wednesday and uh it's just like we wrap up and I just sit back and think, 
That was a great two hours. I know. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to be picking up my uh, Stalingrad game probably not next week, but the week after, hopefully, too. So I'll get a couple of different hassle games going. I already mentioned it, but we're going to talk about the MMP update, and there's a couple hassle oh, announcements I, in yeah. there. And so I just, cool. I can't avoid those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I almost avoided one of them because one of them was old news, and it kind of fallen off my radar. Yeah. The Manila one. Yeah. All right. Uh, so um, I did, I already mentioned this, that I did the article with Judd about commands and colors and what kind of spawned that was commands and colors napoleonics now have you played napoleonics no i've only played ancients okay so you can think well that's not true i've played the uh world war one one as well oh really yeah that's great war which yeah yeah i think it's called yeah so someone actually mentioned like i i posted the link in the commands and colors forums on bgg which Mm -hmm. i imagine aren't visited that much but they talked about how we left that one off and it's supposedly pretty good anyways the big thing for napoleonics is it's it's very much commands and colors it has when you take losses you do not fight at full strength if you lose a block you lose a block of combat damage Mm -hmm. and that's like huge like it forces you to be really cautious and you know not just charge your lines forward like you can do with memoir yeah each side you know the british are or the allies are are better at different things than what the french are better at it's a solid command and colors game cool i'm not crazy about command and colors i mean i'll play it but just i don't know it's something about something about the 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 cards just rubs me the wrong way so i'll play it if someone offers it up to me but it's not not one that i'm going to volunteer to play so i feel that way about memoir but napoleonics and samurai has really like breathed some life into that system mm-hmm. for me and here's the other thing like i have samurai stickered and all that stuff and i've got ancients if i'm playing on vassal it's so much fun yeah but the setup like i don't know if the setup is worth it as much as I am enjoying these games lately, I'd still rather just like flip a switch on Vassal and go. Yeah. All right. What have you been playing? Uh, speaking of Vassal, you actually dropped in on this game. I played a little bit of Konigsberg Forty Five, which is a, a revolution game. It's a uh, it's it's a it's a little Ziploc game. Um, it's, so it's not huge. It's just a single map, um, but it's just about the the Germans. Uh, surrounding and advancing on the Russian position. I'm sorry, the Russians advancing on the German positions uh, in, in, in and around Konigsberg. So uh, not crazy about it. Uh, really? It's funny because I, I own it, but we were playing on Vassal. And like after the second session of playing it, I'm like, yep, I'm putting this up on BGG Marketplace. So it's not terrible. It's just, it feels like a solo game because the Germans have a lot to do and the Russians or no, I'm sorry. The Russians have a lot to do. The Germans have very little to do. So playing as the Germans often, I feel like, why am I here? This guy's playing a solo game against me and you know, I, I don't really have a whole lot of decisions to make. Whereas the German player does have a lot of decisions to make, but he gets, you know, many more activations, many more units, stronger units and everything. And the Russians are just getting overwhelmed. So the victory conditions make it such that he's not necessarily going to win the game, but it still doesn't make it fun for the Russian player. Flip flap, flip flop. Oh my gosh. Flip flop. <laughs> everything you just said. Yeah. Right. But cause it's the Russian player that's dominating. Right. Right. And I'm, I'm surprised to hear you 
say that. I get it. But when I dropped in, like, mechanically, yeah. the game seemed very interesting from a chip pull mechanic. Yeah, it is chip pull, which honestly, I think I think it would I think it does make a good solo game because it it's chip pull. So as as either side, but especially as the Germans, you can't count on the fact that these guys are going to be able to activate and drive open this hole. But because of the number of activations that you get, and and this is going to lessen as we go over the course of the game, but like three or four turns into the game, the Germans get um I want to say like four activations and the Russians are getting 10. So when you're playing mm. that as the German player, and not only is it lower number of activations, but by this point he's blown a few guys here, get your guys off the map. Um, the every unit in the game is either one or two steps. So if he gets a, a, a two hit on you, which is not too tough to do when he's got six to one odds or something, that guy's just off the map. Um, there are some defensive positions that reduce that, but it's really it's not very hard to get around the defensive lines. You know, if he, if he has five, three or four or five units attacking you and one of them is around the defensive lines, you lose all of your defensive uh, terrain bonuses. Would this, like, would this system work with something that's more balanced or like the same number of, act, like a different battle altogether? Yeah, possibly. Um, right. I, and I mean, honestly, it's, it's 45 and you're playing the Germans, you know, there's, there's not going to be many scenarios in 45 where you're playing the Germans where you're going to be doing offensive things. The Germans are pretty much in full retreat at this point. Um, but it like, again, I, I think it's, I think it's more fun and has a lot of interesting decision space for the Russians, but as the Germans, it's just not that good. So I would say it's a solo game, even though it's not marketed as such. I can buy it. I will say we've seen other games and I'm sure there's countless of them where they're unbalanced scenarios. Someone asked a similar question on Twitter recently. Yeah. But the scenario, historically, the situation is unbalanced. You can still make for a fun game. Sure. And zooming in helps on that. But, I mean, this game is zoomed in around Konigsberg, but there's still, I mean, I would consider it, uh, I mean, I, I would consider it operational in scale. It's not hmm. tactical. It's not strategic. So, um, yeah. It's not a terrible game, but if sure. you want it, I'll sell you mine. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Have you uh, have you ever, like, almost completely replaced the game by the app version? Uh, <laughs> I see your next one on the list. Um, yeah, I would. Yes, I don't know. It probably has happened. I can't think of any that I've actually sold and, you know, removed from my shelf. But there are definitely games that I will go to. Um, I mean, honestly, a really good answer. It's not a war game, but Spirit Island. I play Spirit Island app all the time. And I own the game and I hardly ever put it on the table. So, you know, when we did Labyrinth, we talked about how great the app was, although mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a detriment to our learning of the game right but i i will gladly keep my copy of labyrinth mm-hmm. and play it in person i almost prefer that that's good but i think i would enjoy that face to face so this is a long roundabout way of saying that i played pavlov's house and the app's really good yeah and when it's a i know you can do co-op pavlov's house and i think you can even do against each other i don't remember anymore when it's a co-op game exclusively, and the app is done so well, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, especially with a solo game. I mean, like you were talking about right. with Commands and Colors earlier. If if I can have the game set up in two clicks, and if I don't finish the game, I can save it where it is and come back to it without the table space. Yeah. Look, I really like Pavlov's House. This isn't a this isn't a critique of the game in any way. It's like you, the app is too good that now I'm almost like, why would I ever yeah. like if I want to play a solo game? Why would I ever go through the hassle of setting the game up? I agree. If there was an app for the D Day at series yeah, that yeah. was as good as Pavlov's House, yeah, I mean that would constantly be on my computer. And it, it's different. It's not like, well, I fire up NHL twenty two. <laughs> instead of playing hockey blast yeah. but like this is the it felt like pavlov i wanted to get exactly. a refresher for the top solo games because i really like it's basically states of siege with more interesting decisions and like now i don't have to get out the little uh supply counters and shuffle up the decks and build the decks or anything like that it's not a hard game to set up but it's like when space is limited anyways i played pavlov's house the app and it's yeah. really good <laughs> it could it would be better though if they had the kickstarter counters though so you can have sure, Danielle manning the walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if the other stuff will be on there, like uh, Castle Litter or Postman and Soldier's Uniforms, if like those get app releases. Yeah, I would hope so, because I haven't played any of the other games in the series, but I, I, I probably... So, I don't think I would buy those on, on the box, but I think I would buy the app to try a different game in the series. And if... Look, I, I really it's important to support designers and everything like that. I think everything um, about the game is good, and I want to support David Thompson, obviously. And he's got a Kickstarter running, Lanzareth Ridge. You should go check out all of those things. But when this is a more advanced States of Siege system, then like the price point, in my opinion, has to match that. Yeah. And where I'm not disappointing this game in any way. DVG games are expensive. Yeah, I haven't because, like I said, I'm I'm not going to buy another one in this series in the cardboard most likely. So to be honest, I haven't even looked at the price. I was like original Kickstarter for uh, Pavlov's okay. House just because I remember hearing about it on some other podcast probably, and I thought that sounds amazing. So now, and I, I haven't will regretted s- that at all. I will say, Landsworth Ridge is different. And so I'm still considering that. And also, I really like the map. It's like this snow. Yeah. And the the tracks are different. So I may still look at Lanzareth Ridge. I may be mispronouncing that. You and your snow maps. Yeah, I guess so. must be a thing for me. <laughs> it's a Finn thing. <laughs> so go check that out. I'm just saying, like, I'm probably with you there, especially if they get a- apps. But then again, it's also important to support the people that make the games. So Absolutely. I guess do what yeah. makes you happy. I mean, hopefully they're making money off those apps. I have, I have no idea what the... Uh monetization is but yeah but i think it was like seven bucks yeah <laughs> versus like a 70 dollar war game so. right <laughs> i don't know it's just hard to pay 70 bucks for a solo only experience yeah although, i don't know i've used money in worse ways i guess <laughs> yeah all right um so the other one for me this might be the last time you hear me talk about this one for a while not because i don't love it but just because i'm gonna move on is uh panzer's last stand <laughs> I mean, that was my game of the year last year. I actually, I set it up on my big table with the intention of playing the full campaign. And, you know, intentions were good, but you know, <laughs> life life changed and things changed around the house and I moved some stuff around. So I ended up taking it down. I played several turns. Um, I still want to play the full campaign of that. I just haven't done it yet. Maybe 
maybe next winter uh we'll see but i love the game it was my game of the year last year uh nothing wrong with it at all i just it's off the table for now well i also have a repeat game but always worth talking about and that's here i stand yeah man (laughs) I, I I would be interested to go back and listen to our episode of Here I Stand. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, it's even better. It grows on you. I mean, yeah. Oh, my Lanta. So I'm playing I'm playing the Pope, and we didn't finish. Um, we're going to wrap it up. But oh, that's right. I forgot that you hadn't finished. So much back and forth in this gameplay of it. And, you know, different factions were right on the brink, and there's so much more negotiating and finger pointing and just bullshitting going on. <laughs> you know, blaming someone else for being about to win when you're hoping <laughs> you're about to win, like hoping everyone's eyes look over there, which is what's so great about Here I Stand. Yeah. Uh, so things have kind of calmed back down, um, which that just plays into the Pope's strength because as the game goes on, the papacy gets stronger. Uh, so I'm just I'm hoping now to set up a win that can't be. I will say, Rex is playing the Lutherans. Yeah. It, the the dice rolling, like, cannot be exaggerated how bad it is. It, <laughs> like, I know people always complain. Like, oh, my dice rolling is terrible. It has been every, like, Reformation attempt. Yeah. He's hardly made a dent. It's it's nuts how bad the rolling has been. Like, so bad that I'm actually mentioning it because who really cares about rolling? It's awful. <laughs> so, here I stand is fantastic. Yeah. So you played that like the week before Christmas and New Year, right? Yeah, I think it was like right after we you recorded or something. Live like that, on yeah. Vassal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we you did that I think for the first time last year, and we weren't quite sure how it would work out, uh, but it worked great. Yeah, so this is my third live game of it. Okay, I did it on my birthday weekend, and then we did it exactly that. We did it over. Uh... Is this my fourth? No, that can't be right. So birthday, and then. The, the Christmas time period, yeah. And I'm going to keep trying to do that. Nice. As long as my wife keeps them in the green light. So, cool. All right. We got to play uh, some games. That's good. We have. I've, Bought I've some games and we played some games. games. Both of those are good things. <laughs> those are good things. Only one of those things are good things if you ask my wife. <laughs> We've been playing a ton of Euro. It's just been like January for me was just a solid month of gaming. Yeah. I played 45 games this month. Wow. Does that include BGA? Uh, only, not everything on BGA. Okay. I don't, it log, depends on the game. I don't log anything on BGA. I do log Vassal games, but no BGA games. It depends. Like, I play um, Lost Cities all the time. Mm-hmm. Like over lunch break, I'll cram in as many games. I don't typically log those. Yeah. But, like, our Feast for Odin games, which we've been playing and having tons with, I've been logging those. Okay. Because I also I also log scores, and I don't know, I think it's fun. No, I do think that's fun. Uh, I just don't do it for BGA, so. Sure. Yeah. I actually picked up Feast for Odin, so I'm gonna, we're going to play that this weekend with the family. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I picked up the Norwegians, too, so. Good, good, yeah. good, good, good. I've actually, we have them, and I've never played with them. My wife and I have played, uh, like, two weeks ago. And she's like, hey, let's do a refresher game yeah. uh, before we crack in the expansion. I said, great idea. Yeah, I'm just going to jump right into Norwegians. I'm not going to do yeah, well, this game Feast, Feast is fresh in your mind, though. Right. So that'll be good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, shall we play a game? That's, let's, would you like play to play a game? game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. Folks, it's time for the War Game Game, the game of war games. 
it's been a couple months since we've played, but the rules are simple. Uh, Rich, I'll give Rich a cl- and Rich gets to guess, and the sooner he guesses, the more points he gets. Mm-hmm. So he get a he gets a guess off the bat. If he gets that, it's ten points. If I yep. give him two clues, he gets eight points. That's how it works. Yep, and I already got it. I know what it is. All right, give it to me. Dark Valley by Ted Racier. Nope. Damn. All right. I guess we'll have to do it the hard way. But you are in the correct publisher sphere. So the publisher is <laughs> GMT Games. All right. Uh, one by the Sword. Nice, but no. No. Let me. I'm. Uh, I got I'm plenty gonna... of GMT games. I can guess. <laughs> this game was originally published in 2010. Okay, good. It's not one of those super old games. 2010. Blood and Roses. Nope. No. All right. All right. That's two. Yep. Okay. The first game in this series was published in 1999. Okay. <sighs> but that's not this game because this game is 2010. Correct. Uh, I'm going to stick with Men of Iron because I know it's on your mind. So, uh, Infidel. No. No. Good guess. The first GMT game in this series was published in 2006. All right, so we got a handoff now. I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but the uh, the 1914 game Offensive à Outrance. Oh, nice, but no. No, all right. This game covers the battles between the French and British. Hmm, French and British. Still could be Men of Iron. I already guessed Blood and Roses. I know it's a tri-pack, but it's, so it's I'm looking at the box. <laughs> Infidel, <laughs> Blood and Roses. Is it just called Men of Iron? Uh, that is a game, but no. It is. Okay. I know it's the tri-pack, but I wasn't sure what three games were. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, that was five. Yeah. This is a block war game. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, GMT block war game. They don't have that many of those. Uh, you said French and British? Yes. Commanding Colors Napoleonics. You got it. Oh, wow. Uh, so four points. All right. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was intentionally vague on the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. GMT is not the original publisher of that, huh? No, 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 no. I said the first game in the series. Oh, okay. And then the first GMT <laughs> in the series was 2006, which was the Ancients. Okay. So it went Battlecry Memoir. Battlecry, okay. And I think Battlecry was Avalon Hill. And then obviously Memoir was Days of Wonder. Okay. Um, and then GMT did uh, Ancients. It's funny because when you when – at- started thinking it would be the Napoleonic game. I started thinking, is he going to make me like guess which expansion this is? (laughs) And I would have no clue. You'd rapidly get me down to zero there. (laughs) Yeah. Command the color Napoleonics expansion pack three. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Awesome. I think that's better than I've done lately. Yeah. I thought I was, I, when I was thinking of them, I was like, man, Napoleonics commands and colors may be fun because like usually it's, uh, you know, some obscure hex encounter game or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. Nice change of pace. Well, good job, Rich. Four points to Rich. Thank you. And let us know how you did. We we, we honestly really do want to know. It entertains us. <laughs> it does. It does indeed. You can let us know on Discord or Mitch will just text us. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, one number, eight. 
if he sends eight or nine, like if he sends it on nine after GMT publishes the game, I'm gonna like, I don't know, suspicious. All right, uh, so it's time for time for the one game, the one game, our featured game, the game that will go on every war game ever list. But first, we have something new in 2022, and that is the patron vote on our featured game. Now, this isn't open to everything. Rich and I compile a very scientific, very (laughs) reformed, very detailed uh, list and propose those to the patrons who can now vote on our feature game. We spent weeks working on this list. Oh, totally. I took vacation days from work to just put in the hours. (laughs) Rich gave me like a whole PowerPoint presentation (laughs) on we should include these games. And I'm just like, Rich, like this is way too much work. They're not going to pick risk. Like (laughs) propose something else. Uh, So you can vote. And the vote for February will go live as soon as this episode goes live with uh, the episodes. We'll talk, or the games. We'll talk about some of those games. You can vote on a little bit later. But uh, yeah, so that's that's the new thing in 2022 is we're doing a monthly vote on the game that we will play and feature. And it is curated. We're not going to like it. Like, these are things we're actively playing and want to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not risk. Not risk. So we had a tie this month, but Rich was the deciding vote. <laughs> and he chose Nevsky, Tutans and Roos in Collision 1240-1242, designed by Volker Runke, published by GMT Games in 2019. Yeah, we've talked about this game so much. I mean, this, yeah. was, this was one of those, like, when I saw GMT, their update in 2019 or 18 or whenever they first announced this game... I was, I mean, I had to be like one of the first hundred people to P500 this because I was instantly in on it. You know, the game shows up at my house. I remember, I even remember it was a game day that I had friends over and I'm like, yes, Nevsky just got here. (laughs) And then it just sat for like, I mean, I got it out. I punched it. I looked at the rules and for whatever reason, it took me forever to play this game. So I don't know why. And now that I've played it, I really don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, similar deal with me. Like, super excited about, oh, look how cool this game looks on a topic that, well, I, I think um, Battle on the Ice has been covered, but, like, an operation game on this campaign. How unique. That That's awesome. It's a Volko game. This will be good. And then it showed up, and then a buddy asked if he wanted if we wanted to do a play by email, and I said, yeah, I'll do that. And then I got the rules out, and I said, oh, no way. Yeah. There's something about, I don't, I, I honestly can't tell you, this is a, terrible that we're talking about this on the podcast because i can't tell you what it is about it but there's something about it that's different that i don't want to say it even turns you away but like you said you look at it and you're like huh you know i feel like like you know you get that look that a dog gets when he kind of cocks his head to the side and you're like it's not bad but huh i'm not sure what to do with this i agree a hundred percent and i have a theory why on my own reason but first, let's let's talk history a little bit. So, like I like I alluded to earlier, this is in conjunction with the Northern Crusades in the 12th through 15th centuries, and this is just one small fraction of that time period where basically uh, the Pope at the time saw an opportunity to siege and take control of Novgorod. So these are Catholic Crusades in Finland, Estonia. This is, you know, Russia, mm-hmm. Prussia, all of those things. And this is just one piece of that. Yeah. Before and, there was a, a Germany or a Russia, but right. that's what we're talking about, basically. And then, you know, you get this drama where, like, 
I don't know exactly how it works, and I'm not going to pretend to, but Novgorod basically elected princes or chose to elect princes. It, was, it wasn't like an always certain thing. And I think Alexander Nevsky left and then like came back a year later and then raised an army. Yeah, and I think he was... The, um, I think he was somewhat disgraced and and left basically just like, you know, screw you guys, I'm going home, Cartman kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, and then came back to save the day. So um, that's the, like, picture is you have these, this is an operational scale covering that two-year period. This isn't tactical. You're not focused on, you know, the battle nice or anything like that. Um, It's very much a game about supplying and feeding and figuring out the logistics of your army and weighing those decisions. How many men do I send? How much food do I send? What type of transportation do I send? Because combat is very procedural yeah, and it's very simple. Yeah, this game is all about preparing I don't want to say turns ahead, although to be good at, you would have to, but a a turn is composed of basically six actions. So you've got different lords that are under your control as a player, and you you get to decide ahead of time who's going to go in what order. And each lord can go up to three times. So you can say, this guy's going to go three times, then this guy's going to go three times, or they can alternate, or I've got three different guys and they're going to alternate, this guy's going to go twice, this guy's not going to go at all. Whatever, you decide that ahead of time. But... You you need to know what you're doing because the order of those cards as they come up, once you decide the order, that order is set. And if you haven't planned for what's going to happen when these guys start activating, you're going to be in a world of hurt. <laughs> yes, because if you move or battle, you're going to have to feed them. Mm-hmm. And if you want to move, you need to be have enough transport, whether it's boats or sleds or, sleds or carts, you got to carry all your stuff. Yeah. Um, and so when you when you activate a lord, they're going to have a particular rating. And that's so you have those six lord cards that come up that you pick that Rich talked about. Then that lord comes up and they can take so many actions. And then there's a whole menu of actions. You can tax. You yeah, can there's probably a dozen. Pillage. You can, you know, uh, storm. If you're laying a siege, move, pass, several things you can do. Typically, you're going to be moving and fighting and, and maybe pillaging or raiding or taxing are the most, the ones I did the most of. Yeah. 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 I mean, the things you're going to want to do is you're going to want to make sure you've got enough food. So, or, or coin to pay people because every time a Lord comes under your service, um, the game is set in 40 day periods. Um, and Every lord, when he comes under your service, when he agrees to fight for you, fights for you for a set amount of time. Usually mm-hmm. it's going to be like two or three of those 40-day periods. But every time you get to a point where he doesn't have enough food, he goes back one. So I know I said I was going to fight for you 120 days, but guess what? You're not feeding me, so now it's 80. And guess what? Now it's 40. And if he ever gets back to today, they just leave. <laughs> well, and that's important. Um, if they get back to today you can bring them back. Right. If they go too far off the track, they're out of the game for good. Yeah, screw you. I'm never coming back. Yeah. So it's one thing to lose them and then relevy them maybe at full strength. But yes. if you let them fall off the track, like you're in trouble, brother. Right. 
But you could have a situation. So say you've got you've got three lords besieging this this fortress town, and the other guy's got one lord inside that town. You can spend your entire card to do the siege action, and what it does it it makes it easier to take the town later. But when you do that, every single lord that is in that location has to feed his people, including the guy inside and all the guys outside. Which means if you haven't prepared for that, they're all going to be going backwards on the track. Another way you can go backwards on the track is if you lose a battle. Yeah, yeah, they don't like and they that, don't like losing. <laughs> and that can be one to three spaces back. Yeah. And so this gets to the point of for me, the reason it took so and we kept talking about this, a, a new levying campaign series would come up on P five hundred or something would be getting closer. And we both were like, all right, we gotta shut the tap off because we haven't played this. <laughs> for me, it's this looming threat of permanent loss of lords and potentially screwing yourself out of the game now Mm -hmm. that was a little silly because like the intro scenario is only two turns so if you lose someone for like the rest of the game you're just not going to have them next turn but that's what i was so afraid of this not only are you preparing supplies but you're also choosing to bring on your own lords that are available to them so you may levy this guy and you know that he's around for the next two turns but am i levying him too soon right how many guys do i give him because if you have more than six guys you have to feed them more and that means you need more carts and so then it's just this constant wait and there's no like here's your army go forth and conquer russia yeah and you You talked about carts the way that you carry your stuff around with you varies from season to season yes so you've got you've got waterways and you've got roads but then in the winter time winter time is actually not that bad because you can just turn all of your carts i guess you just knock the wheels off and you're like yeah these are sleds now right. but now it's spring and everything's muddy and your carts are useless and your sleds don't work anymore so you need to use boats and the whole thing's crazy it's you have and to plan wastage. for that in advance yeah wastage I then you gotta that. lose <laughs> one thing whether it's a cart a card or a person like you just gotta lose someone so you can't hoard it yeah oh man the decisions are and we haven't even my favorite part of this game is you start off with two random cards and that gives you a little bit of flavor of Mm -hmm. this is how your army acts but as you're building lords and every card has two sides it has an event and a capability right so and i'll let you go on but basically if you use a card for one thing you can't use it for the other so you may have a card that's really strong on both sides uh which side do i want (laughs) right now you can't you can't Pick the event side. That's a random draw each right. turn. But, but you, you can, can take it out by taking the capability. Right. Because once it's your turn on the levy side, you can look at all of your cards available to you. And each each lord has a certain amount of points available to them. They can use that to get more cards. They can use that to levy like a... They've got a name, but it's basically like a sub-lord that's like loyal to them. And that just gives yeah. you more forces. Yeah, it gives you, you can, two or three more troops to fight right. for you. You can use it to levy another lord, um, to like roll on a chance to bring them onto the into the map, or you can use it to get these cards, and that opens the game up so much because now you're choosing. Oh, I'm gonna give my guys crossbows. Yeah, crossbows and trebuchets. So I mean, you almost you almost can't win without those things. No, especially I think if if you're the attacker. I mean, yeah. the the defender is heavily favored. In right. This game. Right. Yes, it is hard to take. I mean, even like the 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 cities are the fortresses are in three different levels. So like the level one 
is hard to take. The level two, you really, really need to prepare for that. The level three, I, I haven't taken one in a game of mine, so I don't know if that's possible. But <laughs> I mean, certainly it is, but it's going to be difficult. Someone I played with uh, our buddy Zach, and he took Pavosk. Is that what it is? Yeah. The yeah. He, so he was able to do that. Um, but that's just but the, a level one, isn't it? No, 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 no. That's one of the big ones. Oh, I mean, okay, it's not okay. Nomgarod, but and th- so those cards are actual abilities for your troops, or they're this like really powerful ability for the Teutons. Like you bring on this little bishopric and yeah. it just everything becomes a supply sword and you can go pick that you can go fish it out right. or the russians like it can be a s- supply of income for novgorod and then you can yeah, use that money in novgorod cards that let you gather coins yeah and a mistake for me when i see a examples of play book in a game i usually only look at it for the background information and the recommended reading or unless I'm really stumped in mm-hmm. a Nevsky, I ignored it for way too long <laughs> because there's really sound advice and like, yeah, because yeah, the second is, book is not, I mean, there are examples of play in there, but right. the whole first part of the second book is here's what you need to be thinking about. And cause I would, you don't really need the examples of play like right. go, going through combat. Yeah, sure. I get that. It's a little, um, just going through those steps, you're not. There's no CRT to resolve it. Everything hits. If you have four men of arms, they're gonna initiate four hits, and basically you're rolling to see if your guys survive or run away from the battle. Right. What really what you're deciding and wrapping your brains around here is all the other stuff that we just talked about because it's it's so up in the air and everything feels like a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, until you know. So. The, the storming and the sieging. I mean, that's really, that's the heart of the game. Yep. But the storming in particular. So if the longer you lay siege to a place, obviously the easier it is to take it. But it's still not going to be easy. But what I mean by that is so you you basically, when you once you first move into a space, you get a siege counter. So yes, we're under siege now. And then you can spend your actions later to put more siege counters down. Although you... Like I said earlier, you do have to feed people when you do that. But and you need more lords. Right. Yeah, you need more lords as well. But the number of siege counters is the number of rounds of combat that you get to take that city. So once you decide, okay, we're going in, we're storming the walls. If you've only got one siege counter down, you have to take it in the first round, which is probably almost impossible. Um, so... Yeah, it's <laughs> that's what I love about it is all these little things that add up. Yeah, well, even victory point that transitions perfectly because the especially in the early campaign, it's really just okay, where what are the Russians going to do? Where are they going to invade? Because if you're playing the Pleskow scenario, they can't really the Russians aren't going to be on the offensive. Right. But they can go raid and pillage and you know start just picking up half little points and mm-hmm. it really requires the Teuton player to get off their high horse and get into Russia and start getting victory points. Yeah. You you made up a – I don't want to steal your point. I'm going to let you take it. You made a really good point on Wednesday night when you were playing ASL comparing to this this to the Othello tagline. Oh, yeah. So um, the game itself is not that complicated. I mean, you've got your list of actions. You know, everybody wants you wants – you, I mean, you read the rule book and you're like, okay. You, I would say this is a game that – 
you can skim the rule book and then refer back to it. Um, but there used to be a game I played when I was a kid, a very simple game of just flipping black and white pieces called Othello. And the tagline for Othello was a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. And that's really how I feel about this game, because just learning which actions you can take is nothing compared to, okay, I'm going to, I need to set up to start besieging this, this fortress. Um, and I'm going to spend five action cards to do it because I've have guys here. They're going to have to go back home. They're going to tax their own people. They're going to gather provisions. They're going to come back. They're going to have enough provisions for everybody else that was already there maintaining the siege. And then all of these things work together. And all of this has to be done at the beginning of the turn when you put your cards in order. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're committing. And you know, I was reading his design notes and I completely forgotten it is that's a similar mechanic to Angola where you're committing to an order of cards. Yeah. And I completely forgot about that. And as as much as I don't find the combat satisfying in Angola, it does have some good things going for that. I'm glad that he borrowed that because it does like there's also a bluff mechanic to it. You know what? If if the Russian player is in a position to win or they're close this is what happened to the last game I played is Zach really had like two areas he could have attacked from, or like he had one Lord that he held back and the Teuton Lords are so strong with their Knights and men in arms. Like their combat capabilities are much stronger. I didn't know who he was going with. And so I'm building my command deck and just like, Oh gosh, is he gonna, is he going to storm Pavosk or, or, and that's what he did, or is he going to activate this guy and start, you know, driving in and just start raiding to, to pick up little points here and there. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's that mechanic of also guessing what your opponent's doing. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that committing the cards because sometimes, yes. you know, e- each player, when they lay down their cards, they, assuming you can remember what you did, uh, they, they know what their own order is. But then the other guy turns over a card and you're like, oh crap, he just invaded from the north side of the lake and I know what my next cards are. I have no way to respond to that at all. Right. Yep. You are stuck. <laughs> I, if this sounds like a lot, which it's not mechanically, it's just a lot to consider. It's a lot of information to mm. process. We've talked about it. Volko released, and it's on the GMT website. It's also on the History on the Table website. The quick start scenarios for the games, which basically just let you dive in. They are now even updated with um, like strategy tips. Like, hey, maybe you should consider this as your start or this or that. And that that is what got me over the initial hur- hurdle of like, oh, what lords do I even start with? Like, what do I need to get onto my mat? No, you start out with all this stuff already equipped and you're ready to just, it yep. tells you, here's your command cards. Yep. Play. Basically he's done the initial, the initial levy. levy and the planning for you. You can see how that menu of actions work out. Yeah. And then knowing that and then getting a feel of kind of like, all right, how do I trace back to supply to make sure I can get supply or how does movement work? Because it's not just like spend a cart to move one hex. No, 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 no. The cart is... This is how many carts you need to carry your goods as far as you want to go, depending on, like, you're laden and, yeah. like, are you overburdened? And it just lets you see those things so then on the next levy you can start then planning for those things better. Mm-hmm. Man, I 
I think we're not very good at like hiding how we feel about a game. I don't yeah. want to speak for you, but like it's well, easy to get excited about a game. Well, I have a question really for like. you because I mean I do have a little bit of a theory, but you said you had a theory as to why it took so long to pick this game up. I want to hear yours and then I'll tell you mine. Yeah, no, I mentioned it. it's the that mm-hmm. permanent the risk of permanent loss. Okay, okay. Like I don't want to screw up my game so bad. <laughs> Yeah. But again, like the first scenario is only two turns. So if you do just set up and go again. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think for me, have you ever had like a TV show that you, everyone talked about how good it was and you, yes. you didn't start watching it because you weren't ready to dive yep. into it. Yeah. That's how I, I think that's how I feel about this game. Like I said, this was instant P 500 for me. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Volco. This game looked fascinating. I'm a big fan. I mean, medieval warfare between the Russians and the Teutonics. That's yes, absolutely. (laughs) So, and then, um, and then I think I got it and I'm like, I don't want to jump into this before I'm ready and not appreciate it for what it is. And I think there could be a danger to that because the game is different. I mean, I could see someone jumping into it and, and not knowing what they're doing and thinking, this game is dumb and it's not, it's just that, you know, it's not even that difficult, but there's, there's a commitment involved to it. And uh, one, I agree a hundred percent. And that was very well said. I actually, that's a super valid point. Like that feeling of not wanting to dive in until you're ready. Mm-hmm. Combat is so different here. Yeah. The first time I did combat with those quick start guides, I got to combat and I was just kind of like, that's it. This right. game's gorgeous. This game has all these great cards and different abilities. And I roll into combat and it's like, <laughs> okay, those guys just automatically land yeah. a hit against me. And then yeah. I'm just rolling on my armor. So I will say, and you and I talked about this last week, though, that's like a huge selling part for my wife. Because yeah. I played this game with my wife. She loves history, but she's not really into war games. Although there's some games that she really likes and appreciates. And, and lately she's been playing more with me. She loved Imperial Struggle. She loves this game. Um, but when I first told her about it, she's, you know, she sees me play a game like ASL and she wants nothing to do with that. And I, I get where she's coming from. But for her, when I told her, I'm like, combat is really simple. I mean, you just, you go down the list and you roll a couple dice and you're done. <laughs> and, and she really appreciates that. But she gave this game the highest praise I've ever heard her give a war game. She brought it up like three days after we played it. And she's like, I can't stop thinking about that game. <laughs> I'm thinking about strategies of that game. And I'm like, yes, I've turned you into a war gamer. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that is high praise about this game. And I will add just as a, like that comment grew on me real quick. Yeah. It's, it's not that it's bad. It's just, it's not, what I expect, it's my just, expectations were off. I think it's because there's no decisions in combat. It's just you go down it's the who's list. Who's taking roll dice. the hit? The decision is yes, which, that is true. Right? Yeah. Like, do I want to risk my night? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. Oh, that's good. Okay. So the things I I really like about this game are just the the vast amount of options to you. I also think terms like replayability are super subjective, but this is replayable on an objective objective scale because there are so many, you know, different entry points for invasions and so many different cards you can equip or different capabilities or events that could come into play, different scenarios like different kicking off points, different lengths of play, different 
decisions that you have to factor in each time. But I really like it is a lot to digest, but I like how much there is to digest. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I really want to get my guy's crossbowmen, but I've got to <laughs> get some more manpower. These knights are just going to, like, run over Russia. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you're you like you said, the hits are automatic. It's how, you know, the dice roll is for the defense. So you can look at it and you're like, ah, my knights, they defend on a one to four. And then you roll a five and you're like... Oh crap! I really couldn't afford to lose those knights, <laughs> <laughs> and and you don't necessarily—they're not necessarily dead. Then you roll again later, but they're out of the battle. Uh, what? So what stands out as a big positive for you f- from this? Big positive for me is uh, that it rewards patience and a long-term view and planning. Yep, that's good. I agree. I mean, I think I think the goal of the game is operational warfare in medieval times. And, the, you know, I, I, I'm just no expert on this at all, but it seems to me that that's what they're trying to model. That's what they're trying to reward. And it does that. Nice. I agree. All right. Uh, complaints? Any? Uh, it's not a complaint, but they've got... So for the uh, the military units, you've got the the cardboard counters, and then you've also got wooden bits. Um, I don't know about you. I use the wooden bits and the cardboard counters. I'm like, I'm never going to use these. I just threw those in a Ziploc bag. I only yeah. know of one other game, and it's it's Bar Lev that includes two sets of counters. One in Bar Lev, it's it's like pictures versus NATO symbols. In this one, it's wooden bits versus counters. I'm not going to complain about them throwing more things in there, but I just thought that was odd. I guess the counters do have more information on yeah. them so that some people might like it for that reason. Exactly. Or I guess colorblindness. I mean, those are all. But yeah. Yeah. That too. I'm trying to think of, of negatives. I mean, the, the barrier of entry seemed higher. Maybe. And I, I think we built it up yeah. for whatever reason. Maybe. I, it, yeah. Once I at least had a basic understanding of the game, I was able to teach it to my wife pretty easily. Yeah. This is, I could see this being a negative to other people. It's not a negative to me. Is that it's different. This is not hex encounter, you go, I go. Not saying that's a negative. Uh I could see how that would be a negative for someone who, I mean, we love OCS, but they're looking for, uh, you know, medieval OCS. This is not that. It's not that. And that's but it, great. It's by fair me. to at least start the discussion there. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Anything else to say about the game before? Not like, about this game, but it? the rest of the series. So, have you already purchased anything else in the series? Yes, and I'll talk about one of those a little later on. So it's Almoravid, and then what's the third one? I don't know what's next. Is it? I know Plantagenets. I think is fourth, and I'm going to buy that one. Yeah, so there's Amoravid Inferno. That's Inferno, the one that's in that's between. Right. Yeah. Okay, so do you have Amoravid? Yeah, have you yeah, played it? No, no, no. It's like he just. I oh, think it's, it's about a okay. month behind the others because he got his play, like his review print, and mm-hmm. he being Volko got his review copy like a month after Mitch got the Vietnam one. Okay, cool. Yeah, so. We're going to talk about that when we do our anticipated games. Obviously, last year was not a good game for deliver, a good year for delivery of games. But yeah, so I don't think I'll get Almoravid, um, but Plantagenets I'm definitely going to get just because same system and I'm more more interested in in the the period and 
setting. If none of these sound interesting to you, there are Volko's really doing something cool with the Discord server. There are so many cooks now, and he's somehow he's managing it all. And I'm going to ask him. Designers on the mic is back, by the way. And next week we're interviewing Volko, and we're gonna. I want to talk to him about this because I think it's really a great way to get more people involved. But he's basically all the fans of this series are developing games. So Nevsky, Almoravid, Inferno, Plantagenet, Henry. Seljuk, Houtville, Montfort, Zizka, Nabunaga, Loria, Lothar, Saladin, wow. Grand Duchy of Lithuania, Isabella, Longshanks, Pike and Shot. If there's a position available for Wargaming Ambassador, I'd like to nominate <laughs> Volko. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, the list just doesn't end, and I think if someone has an idea for the series and they have, you know, concrete ideas... It seems to me, I'm in the Discord, that he's very open to... Now, I listed all those games. Some are way further along than others. Some are just little, like, brainchild. Yeah, right sure. But What's the name of the Discord channel? Is it Levian Campaign, or...? Yeah, Levian Campaign. I'll have to check that out. I'm not on there. There's a guy on Twitter. Um, oh, my gosh, what's his name? He's one of the developers of... Gosh, I should, I should know his name. Of Nevsky. You just send him a message, and he gets you... Gosh, I should I should remember his name. I've got the rule book right in front of me. Let's see. Developers. Is it Wendell Albright? No. No, no, no. Okay. Well, I need to do that here. I'll find it. And maybe maybe he's... Maybe it wasn't Nevsky. Maybe he's on, like, Inferno or Almoravid or... I don't... I He's involved with the series somehow. Okay. Google. I'm so sorry. Google I apologize to this individual. <laughs> um, we'll find it out. Uh, so... Uh, recommended reading that Northern Crusades book, the background information in the second rule book. Yeah, there's good stuff in reading. there. And then that's there's a slew of recommending recommended reading stuff from Volko. The Wikipedia entries are, are very short, but it's nice to give the overview. They have just either the Wikipedia entry for the Northern Crusades or the Livonian campaign against the Rus. It's like a dozen sentences but it at least like gives you the picture uh is it time i think it's time i think i know where it's gonna be but i'm wow. curious to hear what you think wow i haven't thought about that yet so folks we have a list and it is the every war game ever list it's a ranking of every war game ranked from worst to best actually from best to worst and it's on the website because we actually had someone on Discord recently ask, like, what do you think about this game? I'm like, you should check out episode whatever. <laughs> yeah. And they're all listed there. Yeah. All right. I, I was I was multitasking and I apologize. Francisco Gradalier. Okay. G-R-A-D-A-I-L-L-E. So I, I'm so sorry, Francisco. I know he's doing a lot of work with the series. I guess I don't know what all of his involvement is. They did a great interview with... Uh, Fred Serval on Homo Ludens. It's definitely worth checking out. Okay. So we have a list. Every war game ever ranked from best to worst uh, one game at a time. And right now we have 44 games on the list. How many more do we have to go, Rich? Uh, at least 44. Nice. After today, and it'll be 45. <laughs> yeah. So at least 45 more. Or to go. until we play every game that we own. Yes. Which my collection is always in plus one. So yeah, yeah. C considering that each of us is buying more than one game a month, that's going to be a while. <laughs> yes, um, but and I'll add, folks, 
what this is completely objective we are merely the the shapers of the clay that is already beginning to take form we just put our hands out there and the wheel turns and yep. then whatever happens happens okay so i really i really feel confident about this but i i don't want to cut it short i want to hear what you have to say okay so the first thing that came to mind immediately was imperial struggle as the floor okay I would put the floor higher than that. Okay. Well, I don't think we need to go in it. What's your floor? Uh, Thunder in the Ozarks. Ooh. Yeah, that's a pretty good floor. So that's 13 versus Imperial Struggle, mm-hmm. which is at 23. Yeah. I just thought Imperial Struggle was like a similar design. Like, here's... This is more of a war game than Imperial Struggle, but like, here's here are two very good games that are very different than most games we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, okay, so... Just moving up, Sword of Rome, Empire and Arms, Seki Gahara, Axis Empires, Blitzkrieg Legend, Onward, Christian Soldiers. I Battle need to, him. I need to play that. See, I, that's a tough one for me to have on the list because I haven't played that one yet. Look, what they could do. I think, with... I think that would be a good Columbia game sometime. We can even get a couple extra people if we need more than four. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I really want seven committed, but here's here's why this is maybe getting higher is what they will do with other campaigns using Lev uh, crusades using levying campaign can be really cool. Yeah. I mean, you're already kind of doing something similar with onward Christian soldiers. You're not getting reinforcements, but just adding this level of operational management to it could be really impressive. Um, battle him Holland. Okay, fine. Thunder in those arcs is the floor. All right. And then, See, this is why I think it's it's to me, it's it's pretty clear. Tian Bian Fu, I think, is is the ceiling. Tian Bian Fu is to me right now in our our, our whole list of games. Tian Bian Fu is is a tier one game, and that's where that's where the tier list is. So I like it right at right at thirteen, better than Thunder in the Ozarks. Not as good as Tian Bian Fu. I think we may have it. Yeah. I think you're splitting hairs there because I I was I had skipped Dianbufu and didn't think about it and went straight to compare it against Here I Stand. Yeah, Here I Stand is in such a weird place, and I I keep saying this. I've probably said it at least three times on this show, but Here I Stand has to have six. It's a great game at six. Drops off fast if you don't have six. Oh man, I want to play Dianbufu again. I think you're right. Dianbufu is such a good war game. Mm-hmm. And just like now, I've only played as the French in that game, and solo. I guess solo. Yeah. And and the French, but I love just, playing as the Vietnamese in that game. There's there's quite a few things to consider there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as straightforward, and nothing in the in the top thirteen, in the top fourteen right now, before putting this on there is super straightforward. Okay, you convince me. All right, 13. 13, which is, look, I... Um, Nevsky is the 13th best war game of all time. We're doing this thing on Discord. I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. Where It's called Discord Does Every War Game Ever. But it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. only, it's <laughs> only from pre this episode because I can't add in new games once the, once the process has started on the little uh, ranking engine I'm using. Uh, that's good, folks. Number 13, Nevsky. Between Dian Bin Fu and Thunder in the Ozarks. I'm good with that. I've said it. 
we have a very strong list. Like, the top 32 games are bangers. And then really it's not until I think yeah. like 37 do you start dropping off to not bang. Yeah, yeah, that seems fair. So, you know, 13th I think is a very strong... Yeah, and we've talked about this. I mean, the game is skewed high because... I mean, there are certain games. I mean, we could throw games on the list, and sometimes we do in December just to expand the list. But, I mean, if if a game is going to be at the bottom of the list, we don't want to play it. So right. it's not going to show up on there. So those are the things that we kind of add in later. Yeah, we nice. added Battle for Galicia in, in December because we're not going to make that a featured game. Right, right. Agreed. Okay, so, folks, we're doing a new thing. All right, the patrons will see five or six games for february rich and i have each picked one each to talk about and there will be others to pat it but we each picked a game that we want to be the featured game for february Absolutely. and uh we're gonna try to convince the others and the patrons and the listeners elevator pitch here it is <laughs> all right what'd you pick i picked atlantic chase uh this is actually a game so first of all this is the year of naval war gaming that, oh, that has been decided. <laughs> um, but I've wanted to play this game really since it came out. It, it sold out very quickly and I couldn't get a copy of it. I was supposed to play this game a couple weeks ago at the uh, STL Wargamers game day, but uh, my opponent <laughs> didn't show up because it snowed that day. So we are planning on playing it next month and I can't wait to see if if the hype adds up to what this game is. I literally have not heard anything bad about this game at all nice there's rich's pick rich i would say go do the training scenarios before you show up on game day they're okay, very cool. easy all right and on i assume you can look i assume i don't you can own the game so probably right. on vassal yeah if not you could set it up manually in vassal you're like the first ones are like two pieces okay and you just do it and then you move on to the next one do the whole learn to play it's very good and very easy just trust me on that, because normally I don't like it. Sure. No, I get it'll... you. I get you. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I'm reading War of the Roses, and Dan Jones starts off with Agincourt as the kind of like kicking off point of how to tell this story of War of the Roses. Obviously, that's Agincourt's not War of the Roses, but it's a good place to start. So I've reached out to uh, a couple people. I've already scheduled these games. I'm doing it whether it's a featured game or not. I'm going to do War of the Roses from the Men of Iron Tri-Pack in chronological order. I've got the first two scheduled, and I'm just going to try to do all... Starting with Dagon Court, which is in Men of Iron, and then do all the War of the Roses scenarios. I think there's eight. Cool. So my proposal is Men of Iron Tri-Pack from GMT Games. Yeah. Jason loves the hell out of this game, and he's he's the one that convinced me to try it. Haven't played it yet, but I've got it. So those are our two picks for February. There will be some others to vote on. Do the thing. Do the vote. Support the show. Let your voice be heard. There we go. Yeah. Should we talk about our 2022 games? Let's do. New year, right. new games. New year, new games. But you brought up a really good point. <laughs> new year, of, old games, yeah. Yeah. You brought up a good point when we talked about this. It's like, well, what about all the stuff from 2021? And I thought we should actually check in on that because most of the stuff from 2021 that we talked about our most anticipated did not make it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but so that cool. kind of makes it easier because 
you know, a chunk of those, I mean, hopefully I'll have in just a couple weeks here, but some of those are definitely still on my list. Let's run through these and we can go back and forth on these and just, I thought it'd be interesting to like see where they're at. So one of them is Salerno 43, mm-hmm. which is the new Mark Simonich game, small, smaller map using the Zachman system. And that should be here like in a week. Yeah, definitely. Then I had Weimar, the fight for democracy, which was supposed to be a compass game. And I think is now being produced by Spielberg's. I have no idea what the status of yeah, this is. Yeah, I haven't is. really heard anything about that. It's completely fallen off the face of the earth as far as I can gather. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one that I had for last year was Warsaw Pact Air Commander. So I own NATO Air Commander, which is a fantastic solo game. I mean, I recommend it to anyone that likes solitaire games. Um, and obviously, this is just the other side of the coin. Um, I sent... Uh, it's Brad... Thomas? Brad Smith? Brad Smith, Smith, I think. Yeah. Yep. I sent him a message, actually just asked him about it in preparation for this. And he said it was being reworked. Um, it has been submitted for final approval. I think we'll probably see that this year. It's a Hollenspiel game um, and they are usually have a quicker turnaround. So I think that'll probably come out this year. So I'm looking forward to it when it comes out. Nice. Now you are so right about this one. <laughs> <sighs> Battle him volume two. It's, I, I don't know when Battle Him Volume <laughs> 2 was announced. It may be 2019, and Rich, you told me, like, we're not going to see it. And now I've, I have no idea when we're going to see Battle Him Volume 2. Yeah. I asked Compass in a live chat one time, and they gave a response, but I have I have no idea where this Oh, they stands. did give you a response? Yeah, what, but it, was it wasn't it a good like, response. Yeah, it's coming? <laughs> yeah, basically. Interesting. Okay. So the main reason I want to play Battle Him Volume 2 is because it has my personal favorite battle of the Civil War, the Battle of Shiloh. Um, but uh, the great battles of the American Civil War in, has a game coming out called Into the Woods, the Battle of Shiloh. So I actually, when I was in Dallas at the, the con last year, um, the I didn't get to talk to him because I was doing something else, but the, the developer of this game... Uh, was actually had a like a playtest version out on the table and they were playing it um, and this is this is on the list of things that I'll get in a, a week or two here whenever GMT ships their their January games. Nice. I thought this would be out by the end of the year. Yeah, I know they I... keep first they said I think well, I've been charged for it. So right. I, I know that it's coming, but I would expect another week or two. As far as I know, it hasn't been shipped yet. Yeah, it's in the same boat as a lot of Salerno and yep. Vietnam, all that stuff. Um, US Civil War second printing, I was hopeful we'd get last year. But so, my guess is it's next in the queue Okay. Behind all the big stuff for GMT, so I'm if it if they charge in February, I, I bet we'll see it in March. Is my guess. So did you buy the second printing? I did. Just okay. to get a new copy. I just got the update kit. Yeah, which is the more logical. <laughs> I get it, but it's my favorite game. So. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, for me, another one in exact same boat as the last one, Pacific War. This is the huge monster game uh, that's being reprinted, and hopefully, a couple weeks for this one. Nice. I had a bunch of ASL games listed last year for King and Country and Rising Sun came and then Hollow Legions is now like out. I, I have to go pick it up. But yeah, uh, that was the only one for me that actually hit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have for King and Country on my list, but I ended up getting it anyway. So, yeah. 
Uh, for me, the next one was uh, also ASL, historical ASL, Sword and Fire. Um, I actually saw box art on this recently, so they're they're getting there. I have no idea when it's going to be out. I would say I hope this year, but even if this one doesn't come out this year, it's it's not one of those where it's going to go to my table the day it shows up in my mailbox. Um, I just obviously want to play this. It looks like it's going to be amazing. Hopefully this year. Yeah, I th- that I think was an update. Yeah, it was. So, okay. Uh, let's see. My last one then was Great Campaigns of the American Civil War on Richmond 2. <laughs> yep. We didn't get the pre-order, but yep. that just got announced that we'll get it this year. Right. So. That one's in the update. Yeah. And this is the only one that I had from my list last year, ASL Rising Sun, which is still in shrink on my shelf, but that's okay. <laughs> all right. So that's all Only the because stuff. I, I haven't played face-to-face ASL. Um, I was, like I said, I was supposed to tomorrow. That'll, that'll start happening more this year. And when that happens, Rising Sun will come out because I definitely sure. want to play some PTO. Nice. Rich and I took different approaches for... 2022 so all of the stuff that we just listed rich included which makes sense because we don't have it yet i cheated yeah well actually i didn't include all of them well maybe i did yeah i don't know i mean they're definitely when i look at the things that i'm most interested this year to be honest looking forward there's not a lot that i'm looking forward to and i think will come this year and it wasn't on my last year's list. So that's that's really where I started. Well, so mine's a little more varied than Rich's. I am optimistic and <laughs> going out on a limb on some of these. But but you still didn't put Battle Him on your list. You're not that optimistic. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, I didn't even put you a Civil War on this list. Yeah. Because I know it's coming. Like, Civil War's coming. Salerno's coming. No idea where Weimar's at. Battle Him. On to Richmond, we'll get the pre-order, fine, fine, fine. So, uh, do you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll go first. I actually feel confident that we won't be having this exact same conversation next year. This year, I think I'm going to get, with the exception of maybe one or two, I'm going to I'm going to get these games. So, number six for me was Into the Woods. Like I said, it's it's my favorite battle of the Civil War. Um, GBACW is a system that I own and have not really gotten into, uh, and I think. Uh, into the woods will probably be the one that'll push me over. All right. Why don't you go again? Because I've got one that's higher up on your list. Okay. Uh, Warsaw Pact Air Commander. It's like I said, it's, it's a fantastic solitaire game. I trust that this one is only good too. Um, I'm not sure what issues he had with it, but it actually makes me curious to see if it's going to be, uh, more different from NATO Air Commander, you know, in that it's not just flying red planes instead of blue planes. Maybe there'll be some more differences that'll make it more interesting. <laughs> it actually makes me more curious about it. Nice. Um, I should I should look into NATO War Command, but I haven't yet. So it's the year of naval war gaming, and <laughs> I it's very easy for me to get excited about games from lesser discussed publishers or new designers and that's the case here with a glorious chance i'm not a solitaire by design war gamer but i'm very intrigued by everything i've seen about this game the comments from gina willis on board game geek uh so this is a excuse me this is a solitaire operational game uh naval game and i think you can either play u.s or brits for link ontario during the war of 1812 from legion war games i'm really excited about it i'm not 
so it's solitaire and you can play both sides yeah i think you can pick either side okay cool there's a description of like how the game works on the website you should go check it out i'm not 100 percent sure how it all works it's just it's got a great aesthetic and i'm willing to give it a try even though i typically don't go for the solo games like this nice get some john paul jones action going <laughs> Uh, next one for me, I think is, uh, someone, so you've got it six, I've got it three, but Aracourt. So last year, you know, you go into a year. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, oh yeah. You got one more. All right. No, you got sword and fire. Oh yeah. Hassle sword and fire. Yes. This was on my (laughs) list from last year. Like I said, I saw, um, box art of it. So hopefully that means it's getting close. Um, that, I mean, it just looks fantastic. It's historical ASL, which I've never ever been disappointed in anything historical asl which when we talk about the mmp update later you're going to update later you're going to see why i'm going to be spending a lot of money this year <laughs> my next one number four for rich's count is prelude to revolution and i've got to give a shout out to dr don uh who brought this game to our attention it's a compass game i know but it's just the sound of me not saying anything it's <laughs> And it's a follow-up design to another game from the same designer. But after Don brought this game up, I went and watched um, Ardwolf had a video with the designer Mike Wilner. It's It's got Euro game components. Um, but in short, it's a, it's a two-player card game covering the pre-revolution era of Russia with all these different tracks. It just looks super cool. It looks like something that'll be up my alley. Uh, go check it out. Prelude to Revolution. My understanding is like they're doing some final play test. The Vassal module's out there. I think it's getting close, but who actually knows with with Compass? But uh, yeah. yeah, that's I'm really looking forward to it. The nice thing about Compass games is that uh, Miniature Market sells them on the shelf. So if this comes out and yeah. it is good and there's no issues with it, I can always go pick it up later. Yeah, and I, I'm a little more... I don't want to be mean. <laughs> I guess what I was, I'm a little more open to new and original war game designs mm-hmm. from Compass than I am. I'm more cautious with, one, it depends on the designer, but also when they're reworking something. When they're taking a game from the 70s or the 80s. They do a lot And they're of updating. Yeah. They do. And I haven't always heard the best things of those updates. Yeah. They look cool, but I've kind of taken a step back from those until like I really, we've talked about it until I get like definitive word on it. Now, if it's new and original, I'm more open to the idea. And especially, I mean, if you already know something from the designer that's good, then that's more, I mean, local friend, the guy that I want to play Atlantic Chase with next month, he's a compass designer. I mean, it's, I would I would pre-order something from him because I know, and I mean, I can talk to him and I can find out about it, so. Nice. All right, now you can talk about Aerocourt. Yeah, BCS Aerocourt, so. Small BCS. I know, yeah. So it's, I've started to say last year, I don't even remember what I said it was going to be the year of, but what it <laughs> turned out to be the year of was BCS. I mean, last year, BCS is when I just fell in love with that system and can't say enough about it so um but yeah now there's another bcs coming out and it's a small bcs like you said just a single mapper um which i think will be fantastic 
Number three for me is basically anything we get next year in the Levy and Campaign series. Yeah. So, safe to say we'll get Almoravid. If we get anything else, there's a gravy on top. I am so excited for what this series can explore and the different topics they can cover with it. I like that each you know, pack of cards will have its own flavor and different capabilities in the, the series with so many people involved and so many original ideas. I'm assuming that the series will just continue to develop and even get better and hit on more original and unique topics. So anything we get is my number three for yeah. the campaign. I'm looking forward to that discord just because I think that discussion about those will be interesting. Yeah. All right. Number two, Rich. Uh, two for me, Pacific war. Uh, so this is, yeah, was on my list last year. I thought we'd see it last year. Didn't make it, but I mean, the scope and scale of this game just looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, as a former sailor, I've just always been in love with World War II Pacific Theater. Um, it's just, it's just f- phenomenal when you think about the logistics and the. I mean, it's as far as like uh, a area of the globe. It's it's the biggest war in history. So. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see this one on the table. Um, although, I'm going to have to put the big table back up for this one, because <laughs> this is a big one. <laughs> yeah, this would maybe be my number one if I wasn't cheating and yeah. excluding things <laughs> that we're about to get here. Number two for me is Tiger Wings, which is the follow-up to Buffalo Wings. It's the next entry in the Fighting Wings series from J.D. Webster. This actually flew <laughs> under my radar um, until... He recently released like a six pack of new aircraft with some new scenarios that was really neat. And I grabbed that and I was digging around. There's like a one of those online group things that are like their own forms. I don't remember what they're called, but I, I belong to it. And usually I ignore all the emails, but I started poking around to just kind of catch up on things. And I had completely missed this, but Tiger Wings is a new entry. Uh, it'll be also published by Against the Odds magazine is my understanding. And this is World War II over East Asia. And take my word for it, folks, like aircraft with Excel spreadsheets is really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably it. check this one out just because, uh, well, for one, I didn't realize until last month when you talked about it on the podcast that Buffalo Wings was a magazine game. I don't know why. I just, I didn't realize that. So, yeah, and it's, it was a, I don't know if Tiger Wings will or will not be, but Buffalo Wings was intended to be more of an intro. And so they reprinted it in 2022 re-released the magazine okay it's all part of the same series so you could go with wings of the motherland which is a full box game with all kinds of good stuff but yeah well let me let me know when this comes out in case i miss it because i'll pick this one up oh i'm sure i'll talk about it yeah uh number one for me vietnam 65 to 75 uh this one was actually on the table at our last game day because a a certain guy brought it just to set it up and show off no one was playing it (laughs) at the time uh but yes i can't wait to see this one um so the reason this is my number one anticipated game is because this is the game that like the day it shows up in my mailbox i'm going to be setting it up and playing it nice it's hard to solo, though. I don't think you can solo it. Yeah, but I'll be learning it and, and to, figuring out sure. how to, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to have a hard started time. I started before COVID, uh, another local friend and I, we, I actually had it set up on my table and everything. We were all set to play the old one before Mitch Steven re- announced that he was re-releasing it and everything. Um, and then COVID hit and haven't had a face-to-face game at my house 
think I had one, but not not the routine, the every week games that we were doing for a while. Sure. All right. I missed all the buzz or all the hotness that was the Jaws of Victory. And oh, I'm yeah. not gonna make I'm not gonna make <laughs> the same mistake. So as soon as Winner's Victory goes on pre order, I am pre ordering a copy. This is a projected release for spring twenty twenty two. I don't know how often they update their website if this is behind schedule or anything. There's no indication of that, but this is the twenty twenty two release from New England Simulations. And it just and is this is this uh, like Russia, Finland? Is it Germany, Sweden? What does this cover? This is Napoleonics. It's oh, the, Napoleonics. This is the okay. oh my gosh, Bill, just bear with me. This <laughs> is the Battle of Presich, Elau. Okay, I probably missed it. Interesting. So it's not it's not the same system as well, or I mean, I guess it, it is wouldn't their be. Napoleonics system. Got it. They okay. have a great Battles of the Empire system. This is an entry in that. And it's it's their it's what's it is their 2022 release. Okay, cool. Very cool. All right, folks, that's it for so, okay. most one. Yep. So, looking at your six, uh huh. How how many of those six do you think are going to be in your hands on December 31st? Three, four, if I'm really optimistic. Ericourt. I think that's where I am. I think I'm at three, four, if I'm optimistic. Ericourt is the is the if. No, Ericord will come because they're opening up pre-orders. We'll get Ericord. Ericord, Almoravid, so. Winner's Victory, and if we're lucky, Tiger Wings okay. is what I say. I mean, three of mine I think I'll have by the, our next recording. We're, oh, we're yeah. We're packed Air Commander, Ericord, Hessel, the, the Sword and Fire. Well, Sword and Fire, they say is going to be this year. So, I mean, I could be. Yeah, it I mean, could three be of them are. Yeah. Three of them are basically already in a box for you, Rich. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, where I'm is exactly it? Exactly, roll the dice here. <laughs> All right. I did have a couple. Uh, I just want to point them out because there are a few Euro games that I am super looking forward to that I just want to mention. One is John Company. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten is, about that one. Yeah. From Rolly Ger- Ger- Designs, it's more good stuff. I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's like you are – it's a it's a game where you are manipulating your family members to positions of power in the East India trade mm-hmm. company. I almost bought that one just because, I mean, not just because, but a main reason is because I wanted to buy Pax Premier, and then someone sold me their copy of Pax Premier, and I didn't end up getting John Company as well. So, See, I kickstarted John Company and then kicked myself for not getting yeah. Pax Premier and had to buy <laughs> Pax Premier after. Uh, Horseless Carriage. So this is the new, and I already have this pre I haven't even this heard is, of that one. Yeah, it's the newest release from Splatter Spellin'. Okay. They make heavy Euro games. They have interesting, um, like, they're a small company, but it's, so, like, their art and stuff, and, like, it's, it's hard to explain. Like, it's not, it doesn't have the overproduction of other Euro games, but they are great games. Uh, Food Chain Magnate just made my top 91 games of all time, and this is the next game from them, Horseless Carriage. Okay. And then, I don't play solo games very often i already talked about this right but there's a kickstarter running for final girl season two that's i've seen people talk about that on discord right so this came up there and then uh our friend duck yeah from the aac discord played it and had great things to say about it it sounded like so i started digging deeper and like i i was in a la carte like okay i'll see what happens and then i'll up my pledge if i need to and then I went went and watched Liz Davidson's review of Final Girl, and like 
now I've gone down the rabbit hole and I really want it. And it's like a, a horror survival game where you're like the the girl that survives in horror movies with all these different horror movies. It looks really cool. That's just, so those are just three other games I want to mention. John Company, Horseless Carriage, and Final Girl Season 2 for 2022 releases. Cool. So let us know your thoughts. You can hop into our Discord, share your most anticipated games of 2022. What from 2021 didn't show up that you're looking forward to? Uh, so we have some other stuff to talk about, yeah? Yeah. Now's the all time. Right. If if all you care about in life is war games, then yeah, just go ahead and go ahead and stop. We'll catch you. Although our next, we'll catch next one, next two, month. three, four <laughs> topics are all war game related. That's true. So once we start talking RPGs and all the Cthulhu stuff, <laughs> then you can duck out. So uh, we already talked about Discord does every war game ever, and we've we plugged the channel. I'll just bring that up again. It's a daily thing we're doing. Hop in the Discord if you want to vote on the games we've ranked through January to see how that shakes up with a whole group voting. And then other podcast news, Designers on the Mic is back. And if you found this episode, you probably saw an interview with Sebastian Bay. That was tons of fun. I really recommend it. Yeah, it was a good interview. I want to plug his campaign, um, Literal Commander, the Littoral Commander, L-I-T-T-O-R-A-L Commander, the Indo-Pacific. And we'll have a link in the show notes to that. Sebastian talks about it in the interview, and he had hinted at that they were working with a publisher to bring that to a commercial relief, not just an educational uh, war game. It sounds really cool. Like different problems will be presented to you and you have a whole bunch of different technologies that you can more or less shop for to answer those problems. Sounds neat. And I highly recommend you check it out. I've, I've backed a copy and look forward to it. He had to change the name, unfortunately. Yeah. So when we talk <laughs> about, when we talk about that game in the interview, know that we're talking about Littoral commander. Yeah. All right, and then next week... That was um, the one I was joking about earlier when I said Naval Infantry. Yeah, <laughs> little little Marines. <laughs> naval Infantry. Uh, next week, we're doing an interview with Volker Rinke, so we're talking about all of his game designs. I've heard of that if, guy. Yeah, he's done a thing or two. So that will be coming up. All right, let's talk about the updates. Yeah, so GMT update. Uh, there was nothing that really blew my mind on there. Yeah, I just I saw that there was one thing, and obviously, if if you're way into Fire in the Lake, more Fire in the Lake goodness. That's kind of the only thing. And then I just kind of checked the dates. Yeah, the the new Fire stuff. in the Lake thing. It looks like it's got like little cardboard tanks you can make. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I, look, that, I, just, that I kind of scrolled past because I don't know the game. So the one game that uh, I don't know if it's I think it might have just been from this one. It's recent anyway. The uh, Infernal Machine one. Looks interesting to me. I did not P500 it, but like when that shows up at Miniature Market, huh. I'm, I'll am i take a second look at that one. It's a solo game about basically like building the first submarine. That, lo- that one looked interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. I mean, there's tons of stuff on the P500 itself. Uh, North Africa 41, which isn't really a Zokban, but it's, you know, early Mark Simonich. This is kind of like an update of... One of his earliest games, mm-hmm. Cross Bronx Expressway. There's a lot of stuff that's been announced over the last couple months. Yeah, what do you think? I think up. you looked like you were interested in Cross Bronx Ex- Expressway. I'm not sure about that one. That's another one. Like if it shows up at Miniature Market, I'll I'll take a closer look and see what people are saying about it. Oh yeah, I it's got this really interesting mechanic. Like there are things you can do to advance like your overall win in the game, but they're bad things. So like if you put too many people in prison then that's going to have then you 
can't really win the game that way or i think maybe if you tax people too much yeah so like there are consequences to the decisions you make in the game that you may want to do and it, it's an interesting way to like the cost of achieve, achieving the victory the interviews with um the interviews with non-breaking space have been very interesting and each time i listen to one it's like more and more hype building for that game mm-hmm. i'm really looking forward to it cool all right, let's do the the big one then. Yeah. The MMP whole twenty twenty two production outlook. This was nuts. So I first saw this on Twitter, and then I saw there's also like a BGG thread on it. But yeah, it's it's huge. So in the show notes, I'll have a link to Carl Fung's. Um, he runs a blog on BGG. Hans and Carl take over the Nakatomi Plaza. All <laughs> kinds of behind the scenes info. On he's a developer and now board game designer for MMP. Super worth checking out. All kinds of background information, just from things like Order of Battle and like his own little kind of designer notes, and just lots and lots of insight. He's doing Aircourt as well, so yeah, yeah, totally recommend it. It's just it's nice to get the insight from a designer and like that. It's pretty cool. Uh, so I don't think we have to go through. There's a lot of things coming that we've seen before, like. Haka, oh, is getting... That's kind of a big deal. Hakapali is yeah. getting a reprint. So. You already have that one? No. Okay, I've got that one, so... You do? Yeah. Oh, that's Finns, for yeah. those who don't yep. know. Uh, that's the Winter War. Fight on skis. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Yanks is coming, all that stuff. Great. The big things. Hassles. Sword and Fire Manila <laughs> yeah. will be released, Rich. Confirmed. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, there's three hassles on here. So, when I say hassle, historical ASL. So, Sword and Fire is coming out. Normandy hassle is yeah. going to go on pre-order and marco polo bridge is going on pre-order i mean yes <laughs> yeah tons of stuff so normandy hassle is drop zone saint maria glace sounds awesome yeah marco polo bridge may either be full-blown hassle or maybe a starter kit hassle or i'm fine be, with it either way it says may also be done so it could be both who knows oh interesting yeah i didn't i didn't take it that way and then a big one for me is the overlay bundle which i missed if, that was before my time yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not something that originally like pinged my radar, but now that I'm starting to play face to face again, I should get that. And also I think it's really important for Korea. A l- Korea Maybe. needs a lot of the yeah. overlays. Uh, yeah. I'm like pretty certain of that. And those okay. usually are pretty cheap, the overlay bundles. So we talked about Aircourt. That's coming. On to Richmond too. That's coming. Yes. Uh, yeah. We can't just, just zoom past that one. That's another instant pre-order for me. There is gts updates that i'm not gonna spend a lot of time on because like gts is this forever like i gotta play that again i want to play that again but yeah. i don't and so i'm not gonna buy more gts than what i have until i get to that stuff yeah but cool they're still supporting it because from what i've seen it's great stuff okay international game series i've picked up some stuff on the cheap on their sales, but the big one that stands out here is there is a War of the Roses game coming. Nice. Or this is the year of War of the Roses War Gaming. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be a twenty twenty three yeah. release. Yeah. Um I see a Victory Awaits is on there, which I have a Victory Lost and I really like it. Um there's also a Victory Denied and now a Victory Awaits too. I'm not sure I'll pick this one up, but it's I can tell you if it's anything like a victory loss, it's gonna be good. Yeah, this is Barbarossa. Yeah. Uh OCS, Crimea, which yeah. I think is another big one, is that right? I I'm not sure on this one. Okay. 
And then here, an OCS magazine. Yes, that sounds awesome. Yes, with a game in it, Luzon. Yeah. So, that was the initial tweet. Then you go over <laughs> to Carl's post, and because like, there's this footnote at the bottom like, oh, and yeah, by the way, there's some other new games in development from SCS, which is very basic, but fun, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about in the future, BCS, obviously, and Line of Battle. Yeah, like, we should well, pick an SCS ta- game. Maybe do, do uh, Iron Curtain, do Carl's game. Yeah. Well, actually, I really want to play the Africa one. i got to buy a copy of okay. Africa. But we could do Iron Curtain, or we could do the Finn one. We could do all three, because they're <laughs> very... I read the rules. It's yeah. super straightforward. Sure. Okay. So, for BCS, there is Valley of Tears designed by Carl. Yes, I saw that. There's not a lot of details about that yet, but awesome. But there is a chance that it goes on pre-order this year. I think it's that close enough. It sounds like there's a bit to go. Also, Carl said he's got 55 pages of designer notes. Wow. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Definitely looking forward to that. Talking about SES, um, have you played Heights of Courage? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. That's a good one, which is goal on heights battle. Yeah, right, right. So then, oh, I just closed out of it. And then the final one is Valley of Tears. No, 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 sorry. No Turning Back, which is the next line of battle game, which also I think that's a bit of ways off, but it also sounds like we may get, there's a chance that we could see a pre-order for that as well. So what does that one cover? Uh, it's Battle of the Wilderness. Oh, okay, cool. I believe. Could be wrong on that, but I'm um, pretty sure it's Battle of the Wilderness. Okay. More good eight. ACW stuff. Yes. So, again, no promise that those are going to be available, but it, they're at least in yeah. some point of development that... 12 months from now, we'll be talking about these <laughs> for anticipated 2023. So that's the whole rundown of MMP's 2022, plus some extra provided by uh, Carl, who has a nice write-up. Go check it out. There will be a link in the show notes. I'm looking forward to it. Every time they drop this thing, I just get so excited. It's just a bomb of, yeah, look at all this awesome stuff. So almost every series except for GTS that they talked about, I'll probably get something from or pre-order in 2022. Yeah, I'll definitely be on BCS and GCACW and Line of Battle, possibly. ASL. Uh, ASL, yeah. OCS. It goes without saying. Uh, we'll see. O- the OCS, the magazine, the for magazine? sure. Um, yeah. The, the Crimea game, uh, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Pre-ordering the magazine counts as... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because of the game. I think right. that counts. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what? I'll, I'll gladly check out the War of the Roses game. Yeah. Cool. All right. Ooh, baby. 2022 could be a big year. Yeah. Tell you, Clark, if this turkey looks, it tastes half as good as it looks. We're all Don't in for a that. treat. Don't say that, man. I... <laughs> that was last year. That was last okay. year. <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked about RPGs, but you got one on here. I do. Have you ever played Ten Candles? I own it. I've not had a chance to play it yet because I want to play it in person. So yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've seen like you know virtual tabletop mods and stuff like that for it not the same so i i got to play it i've got some friends that we've we played a few games here and there and i just started talking to them a couple months ago we started talking about cthulhu and then i was thinking about 10 candles i'm like do you guys would you be interested in playing this and they were all on board so i actually played with two different groups two nights in a row mostly because like the first night i just kind of wanted to see how it went i mean that game 
is an experience. So all these people, they're, they're friends of mine, but then with the holidays and everything. So I didn't see them for three weeks, but like three of the people that I played with, I hadn't seen them for three weeks. And literally the first thing they said to me is I can't stop talking about, I can't stop thinking about (laughs) 10 candles. It's just so good. So just quick background. Um, it's, it's a tragic horror RPG. Hold on. I'm going to pause you real quick. Okay. Do not spoil anything, please. Well, I, it's not a spoiler to say, I don't think. I mean, it's you, you, I say this to them when, when they're talking about playing the game. Every character in the game dies at the end of the game. I mean, that's, okay. that's not a surprise. Um, you go into it knowing that. How okay. you get there, that's what the story is. And the game is played over the course of, it took uh, probably three hours or so. You start with ten candles, and then you blow out a candle when certain things happen, and then you end in absolute complete darkness and I'll leave it at there, but you end complete darkness and the last character has just died and you just let that sit there. And it's, it's really is an emotional experience that is just fantastic. How many, how much prep did you have to put into this? Almost zero. Wow. Yeah. Just getting 10 candles, read the rule book, set the candles up, make a couple really high level decisions about where the story is going to start. And then the cool thing is, so um, the whole thing is it's a back and forth between what the players get to narrate and what the GM gets to narrate. And at the beginning, when there's more care, more candles, the players will get to narrate more. So most of the beginning of the story is just them. All your, all the GM is doing is just sort of leading them in the discussion. And then at the end, when they're out of candles, then the GM is describing all the terrible things that start to happen. So it's very low prep once you read the rule book. So I have my brother and sister-in-law coming over tomorrow. Uh-huh. We're going to play war games after my daughter goes to bed. Uh-huh. Is four good? Uh, four players? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did it with okay. three the first night and I think five the second night. Wow. And both of those numbers seemed fine. Okay. It'll be right in the middle. Yeah. Different groups each time? Uh, little. There was an overlap of two people. So two of the first three were in the five. And did they get the same enjoyment? Absolutely. And they were different stories both nights. So cool. So read the rule book a little, whatever. Yep. Get the candles. Yep. Sit down and go. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Get a dark room. Yeah. We might have to do that. I'm going to pitch that to my wife. Yeah. You'll need your cell phone because you're going to, there's a a recording that becomes part of the story, but you'll have your cell phone with you anyway. Sure. So good. Yeah. Let me know how it goes. We had yeah. so much fun. We'll do it again. Probably, and not right now, but and we'll, we'll definitely do that one again. All right. Here's a segment that I'm going to pretend that we've always done that we've never really done, and that's <laughs> Cthulhu Ketchup. I've got a logo for it and everything. Um, just because I've always wanted to do something, whether it's a, a podcast or YouTube or, or just something based in the the Cthulhu mythos, because it's every anything that touches on it, I just, I just find fascinating. And so I've been last year, I talked about this, like diving into like modern takes on the Cthulhu mythos. I read some really cool stuff. I really Uh, want to do Cthulhu modern. I love the idea of Cthulhu with cell phones. (laughs) I don't know why I just do. (laughs) Well, I I don't mean plain modern. Oh, okay. Modern writers. Ah, okay. In the Lovecraft myth. One, to make it more readable. Yeah. And two, hopefully let's talk about like african subhumans perfect exactly (laughs) exactly 
And so just a couple updates on that front. One, big shout out to our buddy Ty, who has really also helped push, and everyone else who uh, recently played in a game of online Arkham Horror, the card game, really rekindled my love for that game, either as a solo play or a co-op game. You just like lean into the flavor text and, and just play these fantastic Cthulhu-based scenarios. I mean, Arkham Horror, the card game, is easily one of my favorite Cthulhu-based games out there. I've played a little bit of it, and I enjoy it, but I haven't haven't gotten far enough into it to really appreciate it. And the intro scenario is garbage. Like, the one in the base box is not that good of story with that good of uh-huh. mechanics. So, like, once you move on to the next stuff, and you can do that at any time, it I think it really starts to, like, shine. Like, it's more enjoyable to play. Yeah. And then the other thing that's, like, tangentially related, and it's not... This isn't directly tied in the Cthulhu mythos, as far as I can tell. I think there's more books in the series. But it had a very strong Lovecraft feel, just the style of writing. There was just, like, this otherworldly mystery going on. I read in one spot, I haven't confirmed this, that this is actually a successor to The Color Out of Space. Okay. And it's Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Have you read this book or seen the movie? Annihilation? No. Yeah, it's a Natalie Portman movie from 2018. No, which I'm a fan, so I'm surprised I don't even... And it hadn't been on my radar. Yeah. So this is like this group of four women goes onto an expedition into Area X. And it's this weird area that's been cut off from the rest of the world. And just bizarre stuff happens. And they find this tower and lighthouse and they're wandering around. And there's these flashbacks and mysteries that unfold. People that die. <coughs> it's just good. It was just is creepy. It streaming anywhere? The movie? I would assume so. So I haven't found the movie yet. I, I read the book, and I'm going to find the movie. I, I obviously, like so many things, book better than movie. I've read that the like weirdness in the book is just ramped up, but I do want to see the movie. I've heard it's pretty decent. Interesting. It's very good. Um, that's I'm interesting. Gonna do the rest, I'm going to do the rest of the trilogy for sure. Yeah, that's not even on my radar, but that sounds good. Yeah. It's... Dope. Natalie Portman, it's Jennifer short Jason too. Lee, Tessa Thompson, Benedict Wong. Oh yeah, I got to see this. The book is only two hundred pages too. Okay. Or and the audiobook's probably like six hours. Recommended. All right. That's it for Cthulhu ketchup or Cthulhu based segment. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we're actually going to start playing some more uh, Tomstown again, although we're out of Tomstown, so. We are out of Tomstown in New Orleans. Complete fabrication at this point. (laughs) And I've got uh, so a a friend of mine, the one that he's currently GMing our uh, Warhammer Fantasy RPG. We've been in talks. It really depends on my my job the next few months when we're going to do it. But at some point this year, we're going to start Masks of Nyarlathotep, and I'm gonna I'm gonna GM that one. Oh boy! Yep. Lucky dog. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. One more response. Wrap up Tomstown. Do have you seen the yellow sign? Not wrap up Tomstown. I'm sorry. Wrap up the the journey to New Orleans, and then see where we go after that. But have you seen the yellow sign? Really looking forward to that. And I think the Hellboy RPG is coming. 
soon. Yeah. And I'm kind of clearing the way for that. Okay. Is is what I've my seen, current agenda is. Are there multiple movies? I know I've seen at least one Hellboy movie, and it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was never an IP that I was drawn to. Oh, man. The comics are so good. Yeah, I think that's what it is, is I haven't read the comics, so... You know, when you when you see a comic book movie, sometimes you're like, okay, that's good, but it's better if you know the rest of it. Right. Right, right. Uh, there are three Hellboy movies, by the way. Okay. But really... And what's-his-name is like 70 now. <laughs> yeah, and they... So they did this weird thing where, like, the guy from Stranger Things was in the third one, but the third one's not part of the um, okay. Gomero del Toro first two movies. And so I actually never saw the third one. And I don't know if I should remedy that or not. Okay. Let's see. Reception. Um. Oh, 18% on Rotten Rotten Tomatoes. So it's going to be no for me, dog. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Rich? Not really. I was really looking forward to playing ASL in person tomorrow, but I get it. Uh, so it, it'll happen again. I, I I do appreciate that he he messaged me. He's like, yeah, you know, just in case. I don't want to spread anything. So Yeah, sure. That's the right thing to do. Yeah. Before the next time we record, though, hopefully I will have Atlantic Chase under my belt and curious to see what our listeners want us to review next month. Yeah, I'm going to post that tonight, probably before the episode goes live. That's going to do it, folks. Awesome. So if you want to join our Discord, just message Rich or I or someone else on the Discord. We'll send you an invite link. Introduce yourself. We get all these people that join and they've got usernames and... It's hard to tell them apart, but there's a introduce yourself channel for a reason. And then go vote in the his, his, hot discord does ooh. <laughs> uh, every day, one or two choices. We're about 31% done with the list so far. Yeah. Check out the website, historyonthetable.com. You can find the Every War Game Ever list, top five lists, articles on the way, news and updates. Basically, news and updates are like, if I think it's interesting, then it goes up there. It's not like I'm not asking for news from people. So there's not that much news. But there is news. Uh, go do that. Check out the website. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports the show. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to our patrons. Uh, let's see. You can go to our website. You can also find us on Twitter, Rich. Yeah, I'm Trapeer Jr. And I'm active on Twitter and Discord. Either one is a good way to reach me. Yeah, same here at History Table Pod. On Twitter, you can shoot us an email if you have questions or comments for the show. And then before each episode, we drop a um, call for listener questions. Oh, my goodness. We forgot our listener question. Oh, we did. I think we only had one, though. We did. We've got two for the Volco interview, and then we have an interview question from Justin. Um, We should save it for next time because we're over two hours, and it's not timely. Justin, we will get to your question next time. I'll put it in the show notes, and we'll do that. All right. Folks. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> so sorry. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. Enjoy your uh, enjoy whatever you play. Roll yeah, high. I, I'm hoping roll low. Just have fun. Yeah. I'm gonna play a feast. Oh, you meant everyone else, not just me. Yeah.